really watchable. So you're saying she's cute. That well, that too. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on, one of you nuts has got any guts? Let's put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you, but what right? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. All right, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, we are finally back. We took a little bit of time off. We were supposed to do an episode on The Spectacular Now with uh, Mike Denniston, but I didn't. So let me just save you some time. Uh, Mike loves everything about that movie. It's God's gift to cinema, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, what we were going to tie that in with was James Ponsult's newest movie which is the circle starring emma watson and tom hanks and to do that we have our first new release review in a long time without michael denniston so i decided to torture another member of war machine versus warhorse with the circle so we have chris maynard so chris thanks for being here thank you for having me <laughs> after this i feel like i kind of owe you <laughs> now you, you know why i told you, you know i i think let's just go ahead and say we've seen the circle now let's talk about the spectacular now <laughs> or maybe end of the tour any literally anything hour. yes and and that's something interesting actually i if you hadn't told me that james ponsult directed this there's nothing about this movie that makes me think of him there's no you know i i would never believe that a talented director directed this movie I don't think they hired him for uh, to put his stamp on it. I, yeah. I don't know what this was, but I feel like there was they, they had a bad screenplay that they couldn't get away from. They're like, let's bring in the charming young director. You know what? Who, I've got wrote, I've got bad news for you, Chris. You know who wrote this screenplay? He did. James Wansel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's got no one to blame here. So the circle when I <sighs> when I saw the trailers, I. I was kind of right in the middle about it because, like, I kind of liked the idea of these movies about people being watched. And it, and it became very obvious that Tom Hanks was, you know, doing an evil Steve Jobs impression in this trailer. And I was like, OK, this is interesting. But Emma Watson also as a main character is not it's not an actor who I'm like, oh, this is going to be really good. I have a lot of faith in this. And unfortunately, I shouldn't have had any faith in this after finally seeing uh, The Circle. But just general thoughts. I mean, obviously, we're going to be kind of negative about this, and this is not uh, this is not something that's surprising. This movie, I think, has like a twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a five point three on IMDb, which is horrendously low for an yeah. IMDb score. Um, so, was there anything about this movie that grabbed you? Let's start off with any positives you have. It was made by a director who's had good work prior. <laughs> It was made by actors that have had good work in the past. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know what? Actually, I, I, I take that back. Um, I didn't know that Bill Paxton was in this movie. Yeah, way to, way to end a career. That's Jesus. So, but I will say this. Um, not a career highlight of a film, but he wasn't bad in the movie. And no. I can't remember the actress's name who was playing his wife, who was also in um, – Clint Eastwood movie? Glenn, Glenn Headley. The, Glenn Headley. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought they were actually really good together. They had yeah. interesting chemistry, and I kind of wanted the movie to veer off into their mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it only covers about 10 total minutes of screen time. So, right. yeah, it's got that going for it. So here's what I think. I think this is one of the worst scripts I've seen in a long time. 
Um, Agreed. I think, but there's some, I think there's actually some good performances here. I think Emma Watson is terrible. She has no charisma in this role and you need, you need somebody who can literally like kind of own the stage. And this Mm -hmm. is, this is not who she is, but I thought Tom Hanks uh, was enjoyable in this, in this Uh role. I liked him. I did. I just, I think I have this immediate reaction to Tom Hanks that I want I want to like him and when he in the beginning of this film is kind of giving these Steve's Steve Jobs ish speeches in front of this giant company you can kind of understand like why people go along with what he says but he's not I, actually I disagree. given really I, I disagree okay. I, he's getting by on his charm he's getting by yes. on the history of his filmography um it's not on the page and so I wouldn't follow this guy I was actually thinking the same thing if I had no pre-existing notion of who Tom Hanks was when I was watching this film or if I was sitting in that room and I had just been hired, I would wonder, I would think I had just walked into the Stepford Wives and that's yeah. not what it's being played for. If it was being played that way and the dialogue was that dry and you're wondering like if she had this, you know, she was the voice of doubt that was saying like, why the hell is everybody buying into this? I, I don't get it. Right. Then it could have been interesting and it would have been played that way. But the way he's playing it is that this is the company you want to go work for. Right. Uh, this is these are the people you want to be with. And if it, it it doesn't succeed in that at all. Um, and I don't know how you could have written that to right. get across those things. I think it would have been easier to write that Stepford Wives version of it because you could have been intentionally had bad passable dialogue. But here, no, it's it, you're basically trying to capture lightning in a bottle with what you're trying to pull off and he just doesn't do it yeah i also think uh i had a similar experience with kind of what you're talking about here this idea that you know this doesn't feel like a place you'd want to work this doesn't feel like you're going along with it because from the beginning of this movie it's pretty clear that you have some very obvious black hats in tom hanks and Patton oswald's characters here (laughs) and i mean it's one it's an odd choice of actors for those for those kind of roles um um, but you're not you're not kind of swept away in this like our main character is. And the whole time internally, I was just kind of screaming at her and everyone else who works here, like it's time to go now. Like this is <laughs> you do not like everything they're doing, everything they're pushing forward is like at best creepy uh, and at worst mm-hmm. terrifying. And that's you know. So I don't think. And I think again, this all boils down to the script. You know, there's so there's no there's no real arc to this story at all. Like the people who are bad in the beginning are bad in the end because it's not hidden. And the people who are good are kind of good in the end. But we'll talk about this in spoilers. But the end of this film is god awful. Like I thought the first hour and 20 was bad. But the way this film wraps up is genuinely one of the worst endings I've seen in a long time. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty unforgivable. Yeah, it really is. I also thought John Boyega, especially like through the first two thirds of the movie, uh, was a performance I really liked. But then the script has him do something that makes if you can you make less than zero sense because that's kind of where <laughs> we're at, you know. But I still think the the worst performance in this movie is uh, Eller Coltrane, star of star of Boyhood. I mean, it was painful to watch. Like his his character one is not given much to do, but. When he is on screen, you can't wait for him to leave. Well, I, I again, I'm going to blame that on the screenplay. Yeah, I do think he's miscast. But when he says with complete – he's 100 percent earnest. He says, we used to go on adventures together to Emma Watson. <laughs> uh, 
like I, I started laughing and I, I was expecting to like, you know, you kind of realize you're the only one in the theater laughing at that moment. We should have watched and... this together because <laughs> you would have had company. <laughs> yeah, it was so terrible. And I kind of wanted to go down that path with this movie and just start laughing at it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I would have been rude to the people that I was in the theater with because it seemed like they were into it. Um, I couldn't have gotten up quicker when the credits came on. <laughs> like, oh, okay, time to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the script is bad, uh, but I think Eller Coltrane's delivery of lines is also particularly bad. It's very yes. stilted and doesn't and doesn't really work. And it just made me think about James Ponsold as a director because, you know, we talk all the time on these shows about, like, directorial choices and shots. But a big part of directing also is coaxing better performances out of people and it really made me wonder because if you look at the end of the tour you have two pretty well-established actors in that film so you know i could see a situation where he doesn't have to do a lot with kind of building those performances and it made me wonder did he just get really lucky with those with those kind of teenage performances in the spectacular now because if you look at this movie either he's not trying or he's not able to get great performances out of mediocre to subpar actors i maybe i i don't know um i i tend to think that right now um i'm only really familiar with four of his films i think if mm-hmm. i can look at his imdb yeah a uh, couple episodes of parenthood that kind of stuff yeah so really four movies that actually matter that count in there that i know of and so one of these movies has bad performances in it that seem to be more influenced by a bad script mm-hmm. um and the other films have really good performances, actually strikingly good performances right. in all of his other films. So I, I, I'm not going to necessarily throw him down on this one. If the next one after this might not work, I don't know if this is something where he's moving into big budget filmmaking, right. um, having to deal with the special effects that were in this movie. Maybe it was a little bit too ambitious because I do feel like that's possibly the curse of this film, that it's trying to do too many things and it doesn't focus on any of them because right. it has a lot of interesting ideas and areas that could be explored. Um, but it never focuses and harnesses in on that one area for very long. And it kind of jumps into these, tries to become a different movie several times. And when films do that, they can pull it off and it's wonderful. And I'm absolutely going to go along with it. But if every turn is less satisfying than the road you're on before, then you're pretty, it seems like it's a pointless venture. Yeah, there's a particular scene that keeps jumping to my mind. There's a scene where Emma Watson's character gets invited to go to this big board meeting and has her mm-hmm. grand idea, uh, which is a terrible <laughs> idea. Let's just put it out there. It's just a garbage, garbage idea. And then later in the film, because of this, they kind of offer her the dream job, like kind of show up however much you want, get paid a bunch of money. Everything's going to be great. And I was like, this woman had, in your mind, one good idea. And you're just going to reward her with the same thing you rewarded a character who built an entire social media platform for you. Like so many of these characters, what they do just doesn't make sense. There's not I don't think there's a single character that their actions make sense in this movie. And that and that just will pull an audience out of a movie, I think, quicker than almost anything. Do you think we can go into the transparency portion of that yeah. or do we need to leave it? No, I don't think we need to leave that for spoilers. If you're really concerned about spoilers for the circle, God knows why. But I guess <laughs> I guess go waste your money and go see it and then come back. But there's a whole plot line where she decides to be the one person on staff to, as you mentioned, go transparent, which means put a camera on yourself and have the whole world 
watch your day-to-day life. And I think the the question I had for you about this is the Ponsel makes some some choices, some directorial choices here where you have kind of it's almost like a periscope type situation yeah. where you see mm-hmm. the comments and how people are experiencing, you know, Emma Watson's day uh kind of through the internet. What did you think of how that was handled? That's the one part of the movie. That was the one idea I think that he was hanging his hat on. Right. Because when that went into it, not necessarily Watson's performance or the dialogue that was going on necessarily, but it felt like that's what it was building towards this idea of her living this transparent life. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that they set it up, it felt like it was going to have a different payoff than it eventually does. Um, It felt like it was she might not be as on board with it as she actually was. And she was holding back more, um, but she's but fully no. there <laughs> now. She's completely committed to it. And I thought that we were going to go back to that scene. That was, there's an exchange between uh, Pat Oswalt, um, Tom Hanks and Emma Watson that we don't see the end of it. And then we just hear about it in this meeting. Right. And so I was expecting to have that reveal to what actually happened. And no, it's, there's nothing nope. there, but with that, with that being said, um, the movie I feel like actually starts finding itself in that moment. And there's this middle act that out of everything in there, that's the most interesting part about it where it is, uh, there's things to distract yourself with the little bubbles on the side of the screen that instead of looking at my phone, I can actually look at the things on (laughs) the screen to distract myself with, with, I I guess that's a good idea. Right. (laughs) And it also, Um, honestly, it distracts from the really uninspired performance from Emma Watson, yeah. it allows your eye to wander other than her staring in the mirror and saying, like, you're watching me brush my teeth. That's do weird. <laughs> do you think she's that bad here? I think she's what she always is, which is mediocre. I, I don't think she's okay. bad. I also don't think she's good. But for a movie like this, you need not only a good performance, but a very good to great performance to carry this. Because so much oh. of it, because of that plot in the middle, as you talked about, that second act, it's literally and figuratively completely focused <laughs> on her. So if you don't have a great performance here, you get bored really easily. So if you were kind of dreamcasting this and had, because I think all your ancillary characters are cast about as well as you could yeah, they're cast fine. the film, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you were mentioning odd choices, but I think that Tom Hanks is kind of the perfect, you know, Steve Jobs stand in, yes. honestly, as far as, and I think that Patton Oswalt is, you know, the perfect little, you know, mustache twirling rat villain in the background, the, right. you know, puppet master. Absolutely. He is this movie's, um, you know, Kenneth Starr or his, uh, right. you know, Rumsfeld, I guess. So who would you put in the Emma Watson role? You know, um, I started thinking about this idea, um, not only the idea of kind of dreamcasting, but also the idea you brought up of this is a more interesting movie if you have a character who is looking at all this going on with a critical eye. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first person I think of actually is someone who's seen more as a comedic actress at this point. But uh, Aubrey Plaza, I think, would be really good in a role like this. And and she's I think she's also really, really watchable and kind of can play a a range of emotions (laughs) You really know, like, watchable. So you're saying she's cute. That well, that too. Uh, that's not what I was referencing, but she's also <laughs> really cute. Um, so I think I think that would be a, an interesting direction to take it because honestly, the other actors actresses I keep thinking of are probably a little bit too old to play this role because you need someone really young and impressionable in this role. Uh, but what about you? Does anyone come to mind for you? I, I kind of go the opposite direction with it that I would go a little bit older. Okay, um, the, you could have. 
it, would it be more interesting if you had somebody this just wasn't their first job at somebody at the start of their life what if you had somebody that you know if you're putting a female in the center of this universe that you know was providing for a family by herself mm. that you know maybe she had a job before and had put you know the kind of career aside and now the kids have gotten to an age where she can possibly move into this thing where it's just been about providing for her family and, you know, trying to take care of that person. Now she's making herself a priority and she has a little bit more stake there. Mm. Emma Watson's going to be fine. You know, she could be working at, you know, seven 11. It doesn't matter at this point. She has right. no need to have this ultimate job. And they, I mean, in the movie, they make a point of examining, well, they don't even examine it. It's a side comment, the throwaway that none of these people have families. Right. So that's by design. Right. But it's an interesting idea that they again never explore. Right. So who would you cast in that in that kind of role of the kind of slightly older providing for the family? You know, there, there's a so many actresses that I, I think could do something like that. Um, the one that I'm thinking of right now, just because I she can do pretty much anything. It seems like, and I would like to see her get into something dramatic again, um, is Charlize Theron. She, oh she yeah. Just kind of, she's on the action trail right now, and I'd, I'd like to pull her back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely say that. Yeah, absolutely. But a comedian is actually somebody who does comedic performance. Uh, like a Kristen Wiig would be really good here too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But Kristen Wiig, that's a pretty good casting no matter what movie you're talking about. Like I just think. Yeah. She, what can't she do? Literally nothing. And I don't think she gets enough, <laughs> uh, enough press about that. Cause I think people just see her as this quote unquote, just this comedic actress, but she can, she can kind of do it all. Oh, well, and she's one of those people that if, yeah, if you're only paying attention to kind of the Ghostbuster type movies, then yes, right. that's all you know know her for. But anybody that really loves film and is going to see movies all the time, they're gonna you know they'll know the Skeleton Twins. And yeah, I was gonna say just go watch there. the Skeleton Twins, which is yeah, and like to me, it's an underappreciated classic. Like everyone should watch that movie. It's fantastic. What's just, just end of the side tangent? What's the movie yeah. that she did where she is the uh, lottery winner? Did you see that one? Oh no, I heard about that, but I didn't actually see it. I can't that? remember the name of it. It's actually really good. It's a really interesting movie. Um, that, that's the problem with doing these shows is I see too many fucking movies and I can't remember the names of them half the time. Right, right. It's a good movie. Anyway, anyway, yeah. go back to the All main right. point here. Yeah, if there is really a main point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think actually at this point I want to go to spoilers because my main complaints with this movie are – all happen kind of in the third act. I think the first two acts are bad and then it switches and becomes like just complete trash fire garbage. Like the whole, the whole way this movie wraps up is really bad. So we'll talk about so that. Can we, let's change the name of this section from spoilers to spoiled. Spoiled. Yes. That is the perfect. I, I uh, apologize for that. No, no, um, that's fine. Uh, so before we get to that though, uh, I don't think either one of us recommend this movie. I think somehow you like this less than me. Uh, which is impressive <laughs> because I really did not like this movie. Uh, and I think it's one of those one of those few circumstances where, uh, you know, you look at a Rotten Tomatoes score and sometimes you're like, well, I need to see this for myself. No, you don't. It's it's that bad. It really is. 20 percent is probably a little too high. It's it's not even that good. Uh, so I would not waste my time with this. Like this doesn't even pass the old War Machine versus War Horse TNT test. Like if this was on TV, <laughs> I would change the channel as quickly as I could. It's 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 not only bad, but it's kind of bad in a boring way. It's uh, this is the kind of this is the most offensive movie to me mm. um, where it's not actually uh, it's kind of in the middle. It's I don't think it's offensively bad and it's not good. And it has all this potential. It had a good budget. It had all these talented people involved with it and it just falls flat. 
Um, And you hear people like Clooney say that, you know, it's a miracle that a good movie is ever made. And I think this is the perfect example of that, that had everything going for it, but it still just falls flat. And that's, it's disappointing in a way that I, I, when I saw the trailers for this, I I just stunk of something to me. I knew something was wrong here. If you have a bad feeling about it, you're you're right. Yeah, Avoid it. just listen to listen to your gut on this one. Just, <laughs> just walk away and watch literally anything else. All right, <laughs> so let's go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. Not peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so there's there's three things I want to bring up, and all these things piss me off uh, to kind of uh, – and in, in kind of ascending order. So we'll start off with the least offensive thing is that this may be the most telegraphed death scene I have seen in a movie in decades. Like was there anyone in the theater that thought Eller Coltrane was going to survive as soon as he got in that truck? <laughs> Like anyone in the world, like I was like, just kill him already because we all know it's coming and we all know this is going to be the turn for her and she's going to have to see it on a big screen. But it like it like actively annoyed me how telegraphed this was like there was this should be a surprise. This moment should be a surprise as his truck goes careening off the bridge and he dies. But there's like I felt nothing in that moment. And I think that's a lot to do with. The screenplay again, mm-hmm. where the the buy-in isn't there. When the crowd is chanting, but they want on adventures, fu- adventures, yeah. Chris. <laughs> but this is supposed to be the only person that grounds her into humanity. Right. This is supposed to be, you know, outside of her family. This, you know, this person is a brother to her, and this you're supposed fucking to fucking deer killer. Yeah, the deer killer that she's already been pissing on this guy and ruining his life. And so they take it one step further by having drones, you know, send him off the side of the road. Uh. Um, Two things happen where one, his reaction to it, a little bit elevated there. Um, <laughs> I, I get that he's he's uncomfortable with this, but, you know, speeding down the highway, running away from drones seems a bit much. Right. Uh, the, the idea to explore, it, it's so annoying because you're you touch on this idea of civil rights that's right there and so obvious. And the fact that chasing these people down and finding them in, you know, under 10 minutes that is something that could be enticing that you could say, okay, this could go wrong. There's something really interesting to explore in that idea that you could see how people would want to buy into that technology used for that, but just using it to find any civilian anywhere. I don't have that buy-in that that entire crowd would be into it. I don't have the buy-in that Tom Hanks would be into it. None of them. Or that Emma Watson would go through with it. Exactly. During that whole scene, I was like, I would be walking off the stage like, fuck you. You, I don't care how much you pay me. Like, I'm not I'm not going to betray who is this person who's supposedly my best friend in the world, who I feel really bad about the fact that we've been separated. No. Well, and I I thought when they were starting to look for somebody that they were going to call out, um, I I thought that they were going to call out um, Ty, uh, John Boyega. I, th- I thought that's who they're going to call to because they kept playing to him in the back of the room. And I was like, oh, that's actually an interesting – if you're going to do that, to do that to him and have him exposed, I thought that would have been yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and so the other – the three things, that was one of them. What are the other two? Okay, really so it's actually, one too. it's actually the perfect leading because you just mentioned Ty. <laughs> uh, and so actually John Boyega's character – up until about the hour and 20 minute mark is probably my favorite character in this film. He's someone I'm kind of interested in his journey and I would have rather the movie been about him than about Emma Watson. So 
you know, if if you haven't seen it, uh, basically the idea is he created this giant platform for uh, social media and it's gone kind of in really bad directions. And he's trying – it seems like trying to distance himself from this and try and find someone who he can trust. And he finds Emma Watson's character and their interactions are kind of cute and they kind of work. And then, you know, she goes into this world where she's going to like put on the camera and you constantly see him – kind of glowering at her through this and it feels like from an audience perspective it feels like oh he's upset by this this is someone he thought he could trust and now she's fallen in she's fallen prey and fallen into the hands of these kind of black hats in in uh especially in tom hanks characters it's like oh i can't trust trust her anymore and then as the film wraps up he becomes this kind of deus ex machina in the movie where she calls him <laughs> and then out of nowhere he says, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, whatever you need. And I'm in the theater <laughs> like, wait, what? Why? One, like, really? She has his phone number? Okay, that's cool. Why is he helping her? He has no reason to trust her. And it completely betrays everything that we've seen of this character up until that moment. Yeah, there's nothing there. Um, the relationship between those two people, why he would be the turn to for this, why he would reveal himself to her, um, why he would trust her because he didn't see any cynicism in her. I didn't buy it for a second. And don't you need um, someone who's cynical to see through this bullshit? Why would you, you know find what? someone without cynicism? Karen Gillan would have been the person to turn to in this yes. one. The, the, she was actually the one that you know, you're saying if you wanted to follow somebody, her story was far more interesting. And I thought that that kind of arc would have been an interesting one to follow. Yeah. Um, near the end, she, we find out like, yeah, I almost died of a drug overdose. Anyway, like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Tell me that story. Jesus. Yeah, that, 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 there's an aside for you having that kind of pressure that's pushed where she's just and the mm, I, I OK. <laughs> I just love hearing you so frustrated as you're speaking. <laughs> well, I keep thinking of different things. I start one thought and then I run into another Something one on the way. Something else pissed that's... me off. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go back a little bit. Beck, his cameo in the film <laughs> is fucking irritating um, for multiple reasons. Of but one the of them things. being okay. because of Silicon Valley, because mm. they did that right when they had kid, hit Kid Rock at the Facebook party or wherever that right. was. And nobody is interested in it at all. And I thought that's the way you kind of explore that idea that was a funny way of doing it but no they just had this as an excuse to play the new beck single yep and it feels like that it honestly feels like a walk-in in 90210 where they would just have a band playing at the peach pit that's what was <laughs> happening here it was so obnoxious <laughs> that like you know product placement in the middle of this movie for the new beck album which by yep. the way it was kind of a decent song so yeah it was a highlight and also a low light of the film yeah it might be um, the best moment in the movie right there it's, oh, it's pretty possibly. good <laughs> Except for the way that it's figuring into the plot and then it's yes. distracting. Um, but OK, that, that was my side tangent. That I was thinking <laughs> of. Um, OK, so the, the idea that they had nobody technical involved in this whatsoever, because I'm assuming in the sewer system is where that's where all the server architecture is that yes. they have down there. And that's where they're storing everything in one place. Um, anybody that studies or knows anything, even the slight bit about disaster recovery and about storing all that kind of data is you need to have separate architectures that are not transferable, not linked to each other mm -hmm. and they need to be set up in different geographical locations. Um, and it's all these different things that the way they have this tied out and it doesn't make any sense. Yep. You know, it's, you start looking at it and say, well, why would it all be right there? Um, it's accessible. It just doesn't, I, yep. I didn't get it. 
Um, yeah, there's a and, lot of things like that that don't make sense. The other thing that I just thought of that annoyed me is there's so many sequences where people are led into secret areas. And I'm like, they just set up at the beginning <laughs> of this movie that there are tiny cameras everywhere. How in mm-hmm. the world do you think you're getting away with any of this shit? What is wrong with you? You're all dumb. <laughs> okay. I walked in three or four minutes late to this movie um, because I didn't, I didn't want to wait another hour to see it. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just go in. I'll catch up. Was there something that in the beginning of this movie that said in the not too distant future, like an MST three K thing or something um, that made this in a slightly separate reality than the one we live in? Because so this is supposed to be right now. Yep. Unfucking forgivable. (laughs) This is retarded. (laughs) Because the level of technology in here is so – I mean there's certain elements of it that I guess could work, but the – no, no. no. We're not even close to any of this shit yet. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But like they set it up like – they set it up like, OK, these these things exist. So I'm like, OK, these things exist. So you all sat in and listened to Tom Hanks and bought into this bullshit and you're still going to like sneak <laughs> around. You're still going to be like, oh, they'll never know I was in the office. They'll never know yeah. it's in the sewer system. And the idea that like <laughs> they have this like they have this health bracelet and they're like, well, I'll just take it off so they can't track me. Oh, so they're just going to see it turned off for 25 minutes. And I'm sure, uh, you know, that's probably not a big deal. Nobody's going <laughs> to like, guys. Yeah. None of this is thought through. You could have like if you're going to set up John Boyega as this like hacking master as he is at the end of the film, have him hack into the health bracelet and send fake signals, <laughs> not like just, oh, just turn it off and leave it on the ground. We'll come back for that later. It's like, what? What were they doing exactly to help out uh, Bill Paxson's MS that had gotten him so better so quickly? Well, I think the way they convinced the doctor to work with them is she worked with MS patients and she wanted like, quote unquote, live medical data. But they also, I think, got him in some program that he wouldn't have been able to get into if he didn't have this insurance. But they didn't Mm -hmm. really explain how or why this was working, just that it was. So you could. That's it. Yeah. That's all they do. They throw away. Okay, he's much better now. Yeah. MS is cured, by the way. MS <laughs> is not cured. <laughs> that doesn't exist as a thing. Yep. Yep. They could have literally there's this, picked there's this, anything else. MS, there's this one weird thing where symptoms do subside when women get pregnant that have MS for some right. reason. Right. Don't know what that is, but outside of that, it seems kind of weird that they they hold a cure for MS somehow or whatever it is. It's he's not no. cured clearly, but he seems like he's walking around doing much better. Yep, it's not shitting his pants at the barbecue anymore. So you know, yeah, moving on up. <laughs> Dear God, dude! All right, so the last thing I want to talk about is the ending. But you said you had one thing, so I want to end with the ending. So. Did you have one more thing you wanted to bring up? Uh, oh, I already went into it. It was the okay. back thing. No, okay. That's the okay. One thing. Okay. All right. So the end of this movie. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> oh man. So Emma Watson gets on stage and basically because of John Boyega, master hacker, they're able to hack into every email address uh, that Tom Hanks and Patton Oswalt have ever had since they were 12 uh, and show all their secrets on screen. Oh my God. Even Horrible. super secret yes. emails. And I think they she literally said those words, and I was like, get me the fuck out of this theater. Super secret. Shut up. What well, are you, it was 12? Like, it, it was almost like the Animal House line, the double super secret, whatever right? that yeah. nonsense is. Yeah, but yeah. she was saying it so seriously. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I guess that – I mean that's annoying, but whatever. Um but then at the end of the movie, as she like goes back into her kayak, although let me bring up the funniest part of this movie is when her kayak almost gets hit by a boat and she almost drowns. I was almost in tears laughing. Yeah. But 
Uh, she's oh, back. It's, pr- it's pretty funny. So she's back on the kayak and she's by herself. So you start thinking, oh, like she's left this and she's by herself again. She's in isolation. She's enjoying her adventures and probably thinking about Eller Coltrane and all the good times they had. And then you find out, no, uh, she's still a part of this company and the the drones are there and she says hello to everybody. So basically the message of this film is um, everything that Tom Hanks and Patton Oswalt were doing was totally cool uh, as long as you have the right people in charge. <laughs> what the fuck? That is terrible. That's mm-hmm. not – nothing has changed. There is no, no growth for this company, for the people, for our main character, nothing. I was like well, – I, I was literally I will, in shock at the end of this movie. I, I think there is Jaw a step on the ground. further the, – the, I think there's an assumption, and I'm hoping there's an assumption right, that please, once these emails come out, me, the company is going to fall apart. Without these two guys at the center of it, there will be a lack of trust in the circle, and it's going to you know, be ruined, hopefully. Um, but it not being ruined, if it does exist – is that perhaps a more honest take on it that it wouldn't be that at this point, if it, we found out that the CEOs of Google, the guys who started right. it were pederasts or something like that, are right. going to start using Bing? No. <laughs> okay. So yes, that is honest. But what isn't honest is essentially that meeting, that giant hall meeting ends with, we are going to reform this company in our own, our, in our own <laughs> image and everything will be yeah. okay. And she's still there saying hi to the drones. So that's literally telling us like the problem isn't what they were doing. It's that they were bad people and we're good oh, yeah. people. So we can watch everyone in the world and it's cool because we're nice. Fuck you. Well, no. So I, I, if this is a woman who really bought into the transparency thing, then she is being honest to herself in that point. That then that makes that scene earlier in the film that she wasn't being guided, that she was actually speaking from her heart and was seeing the sort of purity of it. And then when she was saying that whole thing about that secrets are lies. That that is something that she actually deeply believes. Um, That's horrific, by and, the way. That's oh, terrifying. It's yeah, it's, no, it's it's absolutely terrible. But if that is consistent with that character, um, the thing is, though, it's a really irresponsible way to make a movie to not to yeah. have that as the message, have that character be consistent in that way and to not make any comment on it. Yeah. That, that's, that's what's frustrating <laughs> about this movie is it heads in all these interesting areas that at least for me, I'm having a much more interesting film and dialogue in my head than I'm actually seeing on screen. Agreed. Yeah. And I think we brought up a couple times, like follow this character, follow that character. <laughs> there are 10 more interesting movies than the movie they made. And if I'm sitting yeah. there thinking about like ancillary characters while Emma Watson is giving her big speech on stage, that's a fucking problem. Like that's, that's not good. And this movie is also not good. It's just, it's really rough to watch. And there's, there's not a lot of good you can pull out of the movie they put on screen. The only good you can pull out of is like, oh, if they'd gone this direction or that direction or made this comment, then it's actually interesting. Well, the one thing that I think you could have done without, if you want to keep the same trajectory of following her is you would have to just change the the way that she came into the company. Mm-hmm. If she came in as the transparency girl and that was it, she was going to be this person. This was her the, right. if this becomes a sort of new version of the Jim Carrey movie or right. whatever that one. Yeah, that that whole thing. The Truman and so Show. Yeah. Truman Show. There you go. Thank you. Um 
she's coming in to do that as her role and it grows to be more popular than they would have expected. It gets more of a following. She gets more power in that way than they would have expected her to have. Then you have an interesting film. You have an interesting idea where she starts taking on a role that she wasn't necessarily designed to have. But you're right. The way they throw power to her makes no fucking sense. And it's, she had an, a good idea that wasn't a good idea. And so she's handed the keys. Just remember Um, everyone should vote whether they're educated in it or not. Oh, and by, okay, another side nitpick thing. There's a cocktail party after they go to see Beck play or whatever that was. And they have after that Senator meeting, I can't remember. Um, and the Senator is at the same party that Emma Watson's at. That's at a gup. She's a guppy. Yeah. And so there's like 25 people at this party total. And the brand new people are right next to like these super secret Senator meetings. And that's all right there. There's no VIP room or no extra level. And these are, they talk about how involvement in this company is so important. I'm assuming because of other shots in the movie, there's thousands of people that work at this location, but that party, there's only a handful of people there. Just like the rest of the movie. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Not fair. It just, it just doesn't. All right. Um, yeah, so everybody go see The Circle. It's fantastic. <laughs> Obviously, best movie of the year. Yeah. You know what? Hey, congratulations for us for not making a circle jerk joke yet. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it, Chris. <laughs> and now we're here. Okay. <laughs> um, I was saying good on us for not doing it because, I mean, that just seems like an obvious way to go. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. All right. So, (laughs) so, uh, before you, uh, take off, why don't you tell people maybe about your latest episode of the following films podcast? Um, I'm going to have one that I'm putting up tomorrow. Um, interviewed Jim Hempill. So by the time you're listening to this, it will already be out. Uh, I had him on to talk about a movie that he made a couple of years ago, uh, called bad reputation. Um, I had Jim on, uh, probably about a year and a half ago to talk about, a uh, movie he made with Leah Thompson called Trouble with the Truth. He's a great guy. I love talking to Jim. It's kind of ever since I started talking to him with that first film, we've kept in contact throughout. And he's great writer, really interesting guy to talk to. So I had a blast doing it. So check out that one. I think it's a good episode. Nice. And if I have it right, your Twitter handle is at following underscore films. Uh, so uh, follow him there. And I'm not actually sure uh, if we're going to take a break and do fangirl fixation or if we're just going to end the episode. It's going to depend uh, how tired Brit is. But if we do have fangirl fixation, we're going to talk about not only the movies coming out next week, but also Rear Window, which is a movie kind of just on the same level as The Circle, right? Both fucking fantastic. Yeah. No, Chris is totally Chris is gone. <laughs> <laughs> like I give up alright so we'll take a break or one episode I'm not sure which Uh, we'll talk to you soon alright so this week there will be no fangirl fixation we did watch Rear Window but it's been a rough week around here so uh, there's a lot of sleep that needs to happen so Britt is going to take a break from the podcast this week but I did talk to her about it briefly and she really did like Rear Window Uh, definitely saw why people Thought it was great and really appreciated kind of the composition and how ahead of his time Hitchcock was. So that's good uh, that Britt really liked uh, Rear Window because I think it is a fantastic, great movie. Probably my second favorite Hitchcock movie. All right. Uh, so that's it for this week. Um, the next time you hear my voice, uh, we will be doing an episode on serenity to tie in with guardians of the galaxy 2 and we will have a repeat guest dwight hurst from the broken brain podcast so check out his podcast and follow him at break a brain 
So until next time, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Done. And you're capping off the romantic evening by hanging out and talking to a stranger across the country about uh, the circle. Well, goddammit, Chris, I will not watch this movie for no reason. Like, <laughs> you know, I kind of felt the same way this morning. Right. <laughs> when I realized, because uh, my son's had the flu this weekend, and I was up with him all night, and that's why I was actually sleeping, and I woke up at 8.30, um, and I know we were supposed to do this at 8, mm-hmm. uh, and my thought was, fuck, I watched this movie for nothing. <laughs> exactly. I, I went to see this piece of shit, and there's going to be nothing for, for nothing. <laughs> I used to do that all the time, but now I, I don't I don't like that one bit. Okay.